You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. All right, so this is Rebel Yoshev on the Parsha, Parsha's Vayechi. One of the things we learn out from Parsha's Vayechi, of course, is the connection between the brothers, not only in the story, but what their connection is for all time. And this, of course, comes from the Ruach HaKedosh that inspired Yaakov to tell us about what would be the future of these Shvatim. So when it talks about Zvulun, it says, Zvulun l'chof yamim yishkai. That Zvulun would be, at least, uh, he might have some of his land not by the sea, but he has a little bit of a belt of land that, if you take a look at the maps, he had, like he had a, a, a line that allowed him passage to have the seaports. But um, why does the, what's the significance of that? So Rashi says, because if you have the seaports, and that allows you to be osik biprakmatia. That allows you to, to build boats and to easily get onto the Mediterranean Ocean and to be able to go to other places and sell stuff um, where you could sell them at a profit. And by coming back with more money, and that's what Rashi quotes from... Um, from Parshas Smach uh, because Zvulin goes out happy because he's doing business that he knows he's supporting his brother who's learning Torah. And it's not just one person, it's almost like a whole tribe. They had this symbiotic relationship of now we know we still have this principle called the Zvulin deal. And there's many uh, people in Eretz Yisro, uh, and I think here in Chutz Laaretz as well, who have made such contracts between uh, between the person who was in business and the person who was learning. And Rebbe Yoshev felt that you can't like be a double dipper and a chopper. So let's say you have. Um, the koil is paying you some money. Your father-in-law is giving you money. It's still not enough. You could still use a little more money to to get through, to get pay the mortgage to whatever it was. And some balabos who happens to be working wants to give you some extra money. This this puts you over. This gives you uh, a living that you're able to a living wage. Let's say. Rebel Yoshim says that's very nice, but that's not called Yisroskar's woman. Um. To the point that you get the scar and it's 50-50. Yeah, you're machasically, but I'll tell you, but it's almost like it was completely dependent, like Rashi says. And Yisoskar didn't have other means. So you really, according to Rebel Yoshev, can't draw up such a contract. I mean, you could still decide to give people, but it's not like he'll get a half of your scar. That's only if he's a, if the, if you bank totally on him, and according to Rabbi Yoshev, it would really be unethical 
to make a couple of Zul and Yisachar deals. Right? It would be wrong to do that. If there's a certain Talmud Chacham who like, says, oh, you want to be my Zvulun? You want to be my Zvulun? You can't do that, Rebbe Yosham says. What if you give away all your schar? You do half to this one and half to that. And you're learning Lishma. No, it's still not called Yisachar Zvulun. Okay, never mind. Yisachar, no, no, no. You, you, I hear what you're saying, Sheila. You know, you're saying you, you have half of it. I think Rebbe Yosham's point is, is that this one who gets, who's able to insert themselves and get your star is when yeah. you're bound together, where without him, you would be nothing. Got now, it. No, no, no. And I guess really what you could wonder is, you know, why don't the two Zvulans get together, right? And why can't they become like like a partnership? This is a little complicated why this can't work. Um, but um, it seems like, you know, you can't necessarily get 10 people together and say, okay, well, look, this Talmud Chochem needs... A thousand dollars a month. Each of us is going to give a hundred, and we'll be his uh, zvulin. It sounds like from Yosha that's not going to work. Again, I'm not sure. Um, the uh, in, that, in what sense is zvulin in the sense that you share totally with you get the same rewards, or in your certain is harbatzis tari? You know, like you're, oh, you definitely get the mitzvah of harbatzis tari. The question is, right. do you have that special schar? Of and sharing how, in it. sharing is as if you learned yourself. Do you have that? Like you have? Yeah, I hear. Or, or is, is his heart cloned? Now it could be. I'm just wondering. You know, it could be what Rabbi Yoshev was referring to was someone who, you know, is is getting paid by the Kailo or something else. But if Imamish has nothing and he needs the thousand dollars. And ten people are willing to to give that, uh, and get, maybe each again. It's hard to know how this works. Each one is going to get a tenth of, of his car. Yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah, you see how it gets a little bit dicey. Um, and it's not. I I, I, I want to alter what I said. You know, I'd have to see Rebel Yoshim's psalkim in this. But maybe that might be different. In other words, if he has money coming in. Like his father-in-law has promised him money, but it's not enough. Or the Kail was promised him money, but it's still not enough. That he says, that's not called Yisos Krizvulun. Um, because he is able to learn without that. It's just more difficult. But if, you know, if there isn't money coming in, it's these that are doing it, it's possible that you could create Yisos Krizvulun without being just the, it doesn't have to necessarily be one-on-one. I'm not sure. And you're right, I don't have a proof from Rabbi Yoshev. And like you're saying, Sheila, maybe even going back to your case of two people, it's possible that they could each like bond together as this Vulin team. Um, one of the things that we see in this parsha is Bikr Cholim, right? Um, obviously, we saw, we saw Bikr Cholim by... Um, but those were the Malachim who came to Mavakar Cholim. The first time we actually see a person being Mavakar Cholim Amish, where the person is actually ill, is Yosef coming with his sons. Now, of course, Yaakov wants to see him. Um, that's what it seems. But the Pusik just says, if you look at it, the Pusik doesn't say he's calling for you. Pasuk says, "Hine avicha chole." So, 
you could learn, and, it's, and again, it's possible that Rebbe Yoshev understood Al Pipshat. You can just see from here, someone's sick, you go in to see him. So this is a look of the Bikr Cholim. Rebbe Yoshev was asked about Bikr Cholim. Um, could you be Makayim Bikr Cholim um, by not showing up, by calling a person? Is that Bikr Cholim? So Rebbe Yoshev said, you're not Yotze Bikr Cholim by giving a person a call. Maybe not even by a, even a Zoom call. Why? Because you need to see what's going on with the chola. Now, it's true. You can see if a person looks terrible on Zoom. I guess that's also a way to say, oh, he looks bad. But, you know, even the best Zoom picture, you can't, can't tell everything. But isn't it more to see what they need? Like to right. clean their house? Right, or that's to, the next thing. Them food? So first thing you can see, oh, boy, I have Rachmanus on you. I want a daven for you. And that you don't get on the telephone. But you're right, Sheila. The second thing is, in other words, just looking at the chola makes you see how ill you are and it connect, creates a connection that would want you to daven. The second one is what you were saying, Sheila, that you need to say, oh, can I do something for you? Let me look around here. Oh, it looks like you can clean up these bottles. Oh, it looks like you need someone to take the bedpan out. So um, the Gemara speaks of it, Rabbi Kiva, that when he went to Mavakar, his Talmud, Yoshev says, what did he do? He st- took a broom, he started uh, cleaning up the place. And uh, you can't tell that. Uh, uh, listen, on Zoom, you're not coming over anyway. Right? Uh, I guess maybe if you see it's all messy and whatever, you'll call somebody to go help. But again, it's a good, interesting question. Telephone, definitely not. Uh, FaceTime or Zoom call, mm, I don't know. Rabbi Yosha wasn't asked about it. I'm, I wonder myself. Something tells me it's not the mitzvah of Bikr Cholim in the same way. Maybe, you know, maybe there's ways that, you know, with a holograph <laughs> where you can really see everything, you know, like in some, some future time. But I think the way things are, yeah, I think it's still not strong enough to be called the mitzvah of Bikr Cholim. I asked Rabbi Yosha, what about the Nechama Velem Nebuch on the telephone? So Yoshev said that um, Rabbi Yoshev felt that it could have a dinochama. You could be Makayim, um, uh, but he says when you are in the house, not on the telephone, you say Eschem, Enachem Eschem, even if it's only one person. Why? Because Rabbi Yoshev says, the nifter is there. When you're in the same house with the person, so in a way, when you say, the nifter is also there. So what if there's multiple shiva houses and the nifter did not die in any of them? Well, wherever the ovo is, there's a, there's a sense of, it's a good question, there's a sense of the nifter being there. Um, and, and, and he, um, Rabbi Yoshev's proof was from the Rambam. The Rambam writes that if a person has a question of Nicham Avelim or Bikr Cholim, which one comes first? So he says, Nicham Avelim is a chesed imachayim v'imamesim. Now, what does that mean, a chesed imamesim? So Rabbi Yoshev says, you see from there 
that the mace, not necessarily, you know, there's an aspect of the mace wherever people are being misable for Hemshil, and therefore the nifter has a chorus ruach whenever uh-huh. with you. So if you're with the ovel physically, so um, you are able to somehow connect uh, to the mess as well. Um, that's why Rebbe Yoshev says, you say eschem. Mm-hmm. But let's say, for example, um, you, you, you find the ovel in the street after the shiva. So there, Rebbe Yoshev says, the neshama of the person who passed away is not like around the person after the shiva in the same way at all. So then, if since it's only one person, you'd say, Hamokom Yenachem Oscha, right? Or Otach. You would, you, would, you would only say you, not Eschem. So, therefore, Bliyoshev comes back to the telephone. He says, he held that you are able to Makaim Nicham Avelam through the telephone, but you wouldn't say Eschem because you're not with the you're not with the with the Avel who is connected to the mace where he is physically so on zoom as well if you would do a zoom shiva according to Rabbi Yoshev, you would not say unless you were talking to a number of avelim you would not say and i know moshe you would say but if you would be using the ashkenaz or whatever the the, the standard ashkenaz nusach according to Rabbi Yoshev, you would not say amokam yinachem um, uh, if you were like on a Zoom call and you were just talking to the Ovel, if that's all it was. Um, Rav Moshe, who also was asked, obviously, about this question, can you do Nicham Avelim on the telephone, said that it's much better when you come. And the kavod is... In other words, you're trying to give a cover to the person that you came to visit. And Rav Moshe writes that when you come there, the, even when you say nothing, the fact that the person sees that you schlepped in from wherever it was, down the road, down the street, from a different city, that covet itself of, of knowing that you made the time physically to come and to be there, and to take the effort to be there, that's a covet, and that gives an achama to the oval. Um, Rav Moshe says that you can't have on the telephone where you can call from anywhere in the world. So, you know, uh, so Rav Moshe, you know, was a little bit less, uh, he downplayed uh, doing that. Now, again, my own personal feeling is, that, again, COVID should go away and people should do it again. And COVID, I guess everything is the same. Um but before COVID, um, my feeling was that you should not call uh, unless you know the Oval doesn't have anybody there at the house at the time. Because if there are people there doing what Rav Moshe Feinstein says you should do, which is physically taking the time to be mechabed, the Oval, now here you are, you know, calling, it's just going to interrupt things. You no, know, he's going to take the call. He's not going to talk to you. He's not going to talk to the person in front of him. I think it's a la- I think it's a chutzpah actually. Uh, you know, it, it's too bad. I mean, you can send a message; you're not able to get there. But I think that calling, especially during a time when you know the oval has physical people there, is really a, a, a sh- it's it's wrong. 
it's wrong because I think it's, it takes away from the people. For, for the, No one's judging you for not being able to get there. But the people who are there are being Makayim Nahama in the best possible way. And, 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 when you, and when these phone calls come in, the other is now interrupted and he has to stop talking to them and he has to stop listening to them. So, uh, again, that's just my own. Again, Rebel Yosha doesn't say this, but I think what I'm saying is... is, is in this... When would you suggest someone calls if they couldn't physically be there? Okay. So are we talking, we're talking like before COVID, right? And or Yeah, COVID, now everybody calls. That's the only right. way they do it. Yeah, so, so, so let's say in a time when people are there. So my feeling, Sheila, is is that um, you wait till after the shiva and you explain. Now, if the person's expecting something from you, you can definitely, you know, send a message. Again, especially somehow, maybe call his wife or whatever and say, you know, if there's someone who'll answer the phone in the house, you could say, look, I, I don't want to interrupt. I want just to explain why I'm not there. And I'm sorry I can't be there and I'll call you. And I, of course, I feel for you. But don't, don't, don't force the person to leave or stop talking to the people in front of me. Even if you're a, 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 technically a person who knows the person more, I, I, to me, mm-hmm. I, I, think that's, I think that's selfish. It's, and it's not a covered for the people who, who actually made the effort and for whatever reason are there and you're not. Okay. So again, that's that's just what I, I think is correct, and I don't know. I never asked Rabbi. I don't know if Rabbi Yosha ever spoke about that, but I think that that is something that's in the spirit of Rabbi Yosha and Ramosha. That's what I think. So, um, there's an interesting tshuva that Rabbi, um, Rabbi Yosha wrote. I have to tell you, by the way, the tshuvas of Rabbi Yosha. He never put his his material together. It wasn't like even Rabbi Yosha wasn't trying to to make a big name for himself. But um, Rebel Yoshev didn't collect his 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 psalkim or things that he wrote to people. Oh, I'm going to make a safer out of this. He was a poisik. He was a dying for so many years in the Rabbanut. People came to him, of course, from after he left the Rabbanut, and he was the poisik hador. But there was a person who was working on doing research and finding anything Rebel Yoshev had written, and he it came out with a safer. So Rabbi Yoshev didn't make any money from it. It wasn't him. And the truth was, he did, he, but he didn't stop that person uh, from, from going ahead. The person told Rabbi Yoshev that he had all these things ready. So, okay, all right. You want to print them? Okay. Um, but Rabbi Yoshev didn't go over them and didn't necessarily, um, um, uh, you know, change things. Different than Rishwama Zalman. Rishwama Zalman actually was involved in collecting all his writings and, and, and printing them and going over them and changing things. Rabbi Yoshev really felt that he could if that, whoever that was who published that, who went through the work, who would make most of the money, he was happy that person could have some Parnosa. So there's one of the things that they found in order to print up from as, as Rabbi Yoshev's Psokim was uh, something that had to do with our parsha. We know at the very end of the parsha, Yosef tells his brothers, "Atem chashavtem alai ro, elokim chashava l'tova, oman asay kiyom azeh, vachios am rov." You guys thought by selling me that this was well, it was your evil intent to do it, but God meant it positively. 
And the reason why I got sold there was to become the person I became and to become close to the Melech and be able to create all this wealth and to be able to save so many people and to save you specifically when the famine hit there at Yisrael. And now you are alive because of this and you'll be able able to thrive in Goshen. That's what Yosef's um, response was. So the Rechaim HaKadosh, when he tries to explain this, Rav Chaim ben Atar, uses the following metaphor. He says, this is like when someone wants to give a person the, the chalice with the, with, in the palace with the, with, the, <laughs> with, the, with the poison in it. Okay, I'm trying to do the Danny Kay thing in there. But anyway, so, um, and what was in it instead? What was in it was wine. So now the guy drinks the wine, even though they found out that the person wanted to put poison in it, you can't do anything to that person. Now, that's what the Rechaim writes. The problem with that is that that Marshall, one of the great Polish Lamdonim, Rev. Mayor Don Plotsky from Lodz, wrote that Wait, we know the Gemara says in Nazir, Mishin is gavin le'echol baser chazir, ve'echol baser tle, sarach kapara. If somebody, the Gemara says, wanted to eat chazir, and he sticks his hand and he thinks it's chazir, and he eats it salivating, oh, this pig is so good. Something like that wasn't pig, that was sheep. So the Gemara says he needs kapara v'slicha. So how could the Rechaim HaKadosh write the words that Zakoyim Gam Shamayim? The Gemara says opposite of that. So that was a question that was brought to Rabbi Yosha's attention by this fellow who had written a sefer. Venitzta um, Kodesh that was written by Rabbi David Hevlin. So Rabbi Yosha says, thanks for the sefer. And I hope you can do more learning and more things. He says, I saw on one of the pages that you bring down this question on the Yorachayim. And you had your own answer. Because you said that, that the reason why it's different than a guy who wants to eat Chazir is the Yorachayim has another explanation back in Parshas Vayeshev. In Parshas Vayeshev, if you remember, the brothers said, let's go and kill him. What was their right? First, the Rachaim asked, doesn't mean we should all kill him? Let's all do it together? What does that mean? Secondly, why did they think they should kill him? I mean, come on, they must have had, you hate somebody, but did they really feel you could kill their brother? That's the questions everybody asks. The first question is not asked by everybody, but the second one is. Rachaim asks the question earlier, Hevlin says. What's the Rachaim's answer? Rechaim says that the brothers felt that Yosef was an aid zome, meaning he's a false witness. He's a witness who did not really see what he says he saw and is trying to kill us. Why? Because the things that he said about us, we would be guilty of death. What did Yosef say, according to the Medrash? That they ate Aver Menachai. Now we know Aver Menachai, uh, for a Ben Noach, 
is one of the Sheva Mitzvahs, Yechayev Misa. So, one witness in Dinam of B'nai Noach, if you had a Ben Noach court, two Adam is only by the, by, by, in a Jewish court. They were still B'nai Noach. So, from their perspective, Yosef, if he would have come to court, and let's say the court would be Yaakov, because, again, in, in the rules of Ben Noach, you can be you could be you could be a karov. The judge could be your father. Your the aide can be your brother. He he goes to Yaakov, who could judge us. Yaakov had power over them. Yaakov was like the judge who could have put them to death. And Ben Noach is Mahuyib Misa on Aidus. And Yosef doesn't have to have given them Hasra. So therefore, they said, Yosef has said testimony against us. And even though Yaakov has not yet decided to kill us, Yaakov could kill us based on his testimony. Therefore, they said, we know, they knew with Ruach HaKodesh, that an aid Zomeim should have the death sentence placed back on them. On the person who said it. Now, if so, if they could kill Yosef with the din of Eidzome. But if they would do that, they wouldn't be potter b'bidei Adam. Why? Because they do, it's not like in the Torah where, oh, you could never have seen that. They didn't have Eidus that Yosef wasn't able to see it. They don't have someone who's not the Nidon. In other words, in the Dinavate Zomeim, the Rachaim says, you need to have um, a person who says, hey, you couldn't have seen that, you were with me. That they didn't have. But they knew that Yosef was not telling the truth. They knew that Yosef was saying something that was a lie. So, Minashamayim, he had a Dinavate Zomeim. And therefore, the only problem was they didn't really have their own Edus. To, to refute Yosef, or at least one aide to refute Yosef, to say, hey, Yosef, you weren't there. You couldn't have seen that. So, because they, right? So therefore, they decided, you know what? We're all going to kill him together. Because we know if 10 people, if 10 people, the Gemara says, if 10 people smash something all in one shot, and we can't determine which one did it more than the other, they're all putter. And it's the same thing if 10 people kill you. In other words, if, if, te, if it's one at a time, the one who gives the last blow is considered the murderer. But if they all, you know, jump onto Yosef and start banging on him in order to kill him, and so each and each one, they make sure that the blows come down all in one shot, so then you'd be potter bidei odom. And you'd be potter bidei shamayim because he was an aide zome. So that's what Archaim says in Parshas of Ayeshev. So this fellow Hevlin writes, that's why our Arachayim is not schwer either, the one in Parshas Vayechi. Why not? Because they felt, Menashamayim, they felt, what, what you want to say, they felt they were right. The only thing is, Bidine Adam, they had a problem. So therefore, when Yosef tells them, God wanted it to be okay, they don't need any kapara. 
because they already had the proper kavana. It wasn't like the case in the Dorim where the person of Chemda asks, where the person wanted Chazir. They felt they were doing a mitzvah. He says, so Hevlin says, it's more like a case where um, a doctor tells a patient that, look, you, you need to eat, and the only thing that's going to cure you is, is pig. So he, he thinks he's ill, but he thinks he needs to eat pig, and he goes and he goes to the restaurant and asks for pig, and they serve him kosher sheep. Then he finds out, the doctor says, no, no, I made a mistake. I got your x-rays mixed up with someone else. So in that case, even according to Gemara Nadarim, he doesn't have to do any kapara. Because when he wanted to eat the pig, he was eating the pig, which he thought he was mutter from to eat. In fact, it was a mitzvah for him to eat. That's why according to Arachayim, it makes sense that Yosef told them that they don't have to worry. Because even though Bideyodam, they still hurt him, but Hashem fixed it that that was a way to save the world. And Bidei Shamayim, they were already thinking that, again, they, they, they thought that he had a din of an exomem and he deserved to die. Okay, that is what Hevlin writes. Sir Yoshev says, look, I like what you wrote, but it's wrong. <laughs> what, the, let's give the Arachayim, let's say the Arachayim is correct, Rebel Yoshev says. But that was only a cheshpan of killing him. Killing him, they thought that they had the right to do. And maybe there, they were in Miskaven with Shem Shamayim to kill him. <laughs> that he was an AIDS omen. But that's not what they ended up doing, Rebel Yoshev reminds Hevlin. What they ended up doing was selling him. So he says, selling him, ain't lem shaychus to the Arachayim's, what the Arachayim writes in Parshas Vayeshev. Arachayim is just explaining why they thought they could kill him. And therefore, um, and he says, if you look in the Rechaim well, you'll see the Rechaim says, Yosef was never mocho them for selling him. I mean, he says God meant it with Tov. But, but the Rechaim writes that the reason why Yosef never says, I'm mocho you. Why didn't he say that? I forgive you completely. He just says God meant it with Tov. The reason why is because the din is, the Rechaim says, that let's say a kidnapper cannot potter the guy who kidnapped, the, the kidnapped victim can't potter the kidnapper. You, you don't have a right to say, oh, I'm Michael, you, I'm giving you the right to kidnap me. Well, afterwards. In other words, obviously, if you go with him willingly, you're not a kidnapper. But you can't later say, I'm Michael, the kidnapper. You could hear that happening, right? person kidnaps someone, the Stockholm Syndrome uh, kicks in, and then the person all of a sudden, you know, starts, um, you know, relating uh, to, the kidna- to the kidnapper. And, okay, so now they catch the guy, and they have him with the aid him that he did it. Do you, do you think the victim can say, I hereby am mochalim? doesn't work. The, the Avera was done. Even though now you like the guy. You don't want him to die. So that's what the Arachayim says, is why Yosef really can't respond. He, despite the fact that Yosef 
you know, understands what was going on, Yosef couldn't be mochel them because halacha, the mechila doesn't mean anything. And they therefore they're still guilty, so to speak, for in some way, for their thoughts to try to sell them. I mean, Yosef says that the Hakadosh Baruch Hu meant it letov. So therefore, you can see Rebel Yosha was on the ball. <laughs> you know, Hevlin thought he was making a nice connection here, but uh, and it, it sounded good. But Rebel Yosha reminded him to do his homework better and to really understand what was happening. Now, Rebel Yosha makes another point from this Arachayim. Um, you could have said, you know, Arachayim says that. Uh, uh, Yosef was the aid echad to Yaakov's Bezdin, and they could have, ki- and the brothers could have died. Um, Rabbi Yosef says, "What does that mean? An aid echad is enough to 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 make the Ben Noach guilty and, and to death. That means that the aid comes, and the." the person he's testifying against doesn't contradict him. That's what it means. That's what Lachore you would think it means. Because you know that can a person put himself to death if he's um, a Ben Noach? Im nemar didafke al pi atzmo the Gemara in Sanhedrin is mashma that it says Ben Noach Nerag Bedayan Echod Ubeid Echod. So you need an aid. It can't be Al Piatzmo. In other words, even a Ben Noach can't come and say, "Kill me," and they won't be able to kill him. You need some sort of edus, and Rabbi Yosef says that's what the Chacham Tzvi says that even an aid Echod. Even by Ben Noach, uh, the Eid Elchad could kill him, but he can't come into Bezin and say, I want to die. So, if that's true, Rabbi Yoshev says, even when you have an Eid Elchad, that, you could say, that's only when the, when the Baldover isn't contradicting him. Because we know when it comes to Eid Elchad be surin, we know when Eid Elchad can make if an Eid comes and says, this is a piece of chalev, you can't eat it. In fact, nobody can eat it. So that's only when the person who owns the chalev is quiet. But let's say um, uh, the person who owns it says, no, no, it's not chalev, you're wrong. So even though he has a vested interest, that's called Eid Echad Vahachosha, and that chalev isn't Oser. Because Two aid and make it usher. That's tray you tray. But one aid, the power of one aid, at least in our world, in the in the in the ter- in the non Ben Noach world, is only when the person is quiet, and the aid echad, you know, is able to, um, you know, is a- or is able to back up the taina in a in a momentous case, right? If a person says you owe me money, uh, no, I don't. So there, in a case of momentous, the aid can make you take a shvua. But that's that's not a nemonis. That just means that because of the eight echad, even though you're denying you owe the money, but the other guy is claiming you owe him the money, and so is the aid. So you have to take a shvua to to say you don't owe the money. Now that 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 is true. But in a case of isur or a case of, and this is a case of isur, 
of murder or, or, or eating Avram and Achai, Rebel Yoshev assumes that you would need Edus that was not denied, that wasn't denied by the person. So Lachori, even if Yosef did give Edus to Yaakov, that Edus couldn't have killed them. Why? Because they could have denied it. They could have contradicted him. So Rebel Yoshev says it must be that this din of a Ben Noach, Nerek Be'ed Echod, is even if the person is Machishim. Rebel Yoshev himself is not sure if it's true. <laughs> but he says, listen, uh, he's not going to disagree with the Arachayim. But you can see a Chiddush from this Arachayim as well. So um, the. Um, so, here you see how Rebbe Yoshev really, uh, <laughs> you give him, you give him one Orachayim and Rebbe Yoshev is able to really, uh, to show you what type of mastery he has over, uh, you know, all aspects of this parsha. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 